Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to Sunday sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship. We would love to hear how God has blessed your life. Reach out to us through social media or email us at scfellowshipchurch at gmail.com. We want to become kingdom stewards. But to do that, we're going to have to have a mindset change. We've got to understand who we are in God's kingdom. We've got to understand our role in God's kingdom if we are to be good kingdom stewards. Amen? You do realize that when you die, you take nothing with you. You take nothing with you. Nothing you've bought, none of the treasures that you've stored up here on earth, nothing you've saved up for, nothing you've invested in. Nothing goes with you. Now, we do uh, hopefully save up and put things together for our uh, family members and people that we've left behind. So you leave that behind, but, but as individuals, we don't take anything with us. And what the world calls that is a legacy. What have you left the people behind when you die? What is your legacy? You say, I thought you were talking about stewardship. I am. I'm setting it up. Hang in there with me. Stewardship starts with understanding what type of legacy we should be going after. You know, the world defines legacy based off of name recognition, you know, who's got their name on a building, on a street, on anything? That's name recognition. That's a legacy. I'm sure you can think of somebody famous in your life. They left a legacy. I like baseball. You can't talk about baseball without talking about Babe Ruth. I've never met Babe Ruth. Probably never will meet Babe Ruth. I don't know how heaven works in that regard, but he's not here with us on earth, so I definitely won't meet him down here on earth. But you talk about baseball, people talk about that. And all his legacy is built off of baseball numbers and how many hits and home runs. And if you get to some of the funny stories, how many hot dogs he ate before games and different things like that. We're seeing a guy right now, if you follow baseball, Shohei Otani, they call him the unicorn. He pitches and he hits. That's what Babe Ruth was doing back in his day. So we get a glimpse of kind of what's going on. And if you play sports, you understand just how amazing that is. At the level that he's at, we're not just talking about Little League. We're talking about the highest level of this particular game, and yet, in God's eyes, none of that matters. Not a single thing. You know, I appreciate the fact that we honor uh, Martin Luther King Jr. I think we should. I think he did a lot of great things for this country and this nation. Um, but we put his name on so many streets, I don't know about you, but I get lost. There's so many Martin Luther King drives around here. There's one in Locust Grove. Did you know that? We want to stop bridge, right? And we're honoring that individual. But, but he's gone. He's gone. What, what we hope through his name recognition is that we honor what he was doing and we carry that on. That's what we're talking about as Christians for Jesus. Jesus has left the earth. He died. He rose again. He's now seated at the right hand with the Father in heaven. But we hope that his name is the ultimate name left behind and the one that we remember so that we can carry on what he was doing, not just to say his name, not just to wear a clever T-shirt, but to actually carry on the mission that he started, that he put before us as Christians. That's the legacy that we want to leave behind. We want to be able to hear the words that we read in Matthew 25, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what we want God to say to us. That is the legacy that we want to leave. So if we want to leave that kind of legacy, we have got to become kingdom stewards, which means we have to understand what that means and what that looks like. The word steward, 
Let me just give you some synonyms as we work to define what a kingdom steward is today. And I'm setting the stage because we are going to talk about different areas of kingdom stewardship. But today, I just want to kind of set the stage of what is a kingdom steward? You know, some of the synonyms of a, of a steward is a administer, a, a supervisor, guide, to manage, to tend. Well, that word tend really should jump off the page because in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, it says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. Adam was a steward of what God created. Then Jesus came and he told this parable, the parable of talents. And that's where I want to really begin today. I want to read to you the different pieces of that parable and show you where we see stewardship in that and then build the definition out today of what is a kingdom steward. So in Matthew 25, and those of you that came on Wednesday night will appreciate this because I read the whole parable and told them it was in Matthew 5, and they were lost. They were lost. So it is in Matthew 25, if you'd like to read the parable of talents. But in Matthew 25, just starting in verse 14, it says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country, who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. That word but right there ought to go ahead and alert you that maybe something was off with that. And we'll read more about that in just a minute, and hopefully you've read that parable. But the first thing I want you to notice here in these particular scriptures is that that the, the Lord gave talents based on each person's ability, and he gave different amounts. But we're going to see that he didn't value the person with ten talents over the person with five talents. We, as humans, value things differently. God doesn't value the person with ten talents over the one with five. He says, each to his own ability. What we interpret that in as sometimes is that, oh, I don't have the same abilities as this person, so I'm not as good. I'm not as worthy. I need to do something about that to get up to that level. Let me give you an example. As a pastor, one of the things that gets talked about all the time is growth. And there are people out there that will tell you if your church is not growing, that you're not doing something right. But as you read in the Word and you pray, you begin to realize that God gives people different abilities and talents. God gives churches different abilities and talents, and we don't all serve the same function. So you got ministries like this one that have been around since 1982, but yet have never had more than 250 members at one time. But if you put everybody together that's been blessed to minister to over those years, it's thousands upon thousands. We rode by a piece of property. Dad and I rode by a piece of property yesterday, and People's Baptist is over there off of Mill Road near where the old building we had is. And it's a huge campus. I don't know how many acres, but it's huge. And they're selling that building. And originally, my prayer on certain properties, because I think they're asking 9 or $10 million, and I kept saying, Lord, we don't have that kind of money. And the Lord really checked me on that to say, quit confessing that. So, so what I do is I just confess, Lord, if that be the property, Lord, provide the resources, whatever we need to do. But that particular property is not for us. Why do you know that, Pastor Herman? Because we can't handle that property right now. 
We don't have the manpower. We don't have the ability. We don't have the infrastructure set up to handle that building. Now, maybe God's building us to a point where a building like that and land like that is what we're supposed to do. But that's not for us right now. The key is not to look at it as if we're doing something wrong. That's what it is for each one of you. Just because your friend is is at another level or doing something that you really want to do or get to doesn't mean that you're not doing what God wants you to do. I I didn't enter full-time ministry, I'm sorry, I didn't enter as pastor until three years ago. But I've had many friends that entered the ministry as pastors decades ago. And every once in a while I would say, Lord, I don't understand. I don't understand. Lord, just say, be patient. Be patient. I don't understand, Lord. Be patient. What he was needing to do was grow me to a point where I could handle the mission he had called me to. What I had to quit doing was thinking I was doing something wrong because I wasn't a pastor any earlier. See, see, I'm a pastor at the time God appointed me, and now after doing this for three years, I'm like, yeah, yeah Lord, I don't think I could have handled this 10 years ago. Especially having young kids. I really don't know how pastors with young kids do this. I mean, almost all of my attention focuses on some aspect of the church. One, one quick story just to kind of put it in perspective is this is the busiest season for pastors. But I came out of education where I was a teacher, and this is one of the best seasons for teachers. You get a week off at Thanksgiving. You come back for two or three weeks. There aren't a ton of expectations. You're doing testing. The parents are really like, can we just get out of here with this? And the kids are definitely like, I'm done with this semester. And then when you make it to the end, you get two weeks off. So within about a two-month period of time, you get three weeks off. And when I say off, it's not like you come back and the work piled up while you were gone like other jobs. You start fresh the second semester. This is a fantastic time. And so last year, I was really getting worn out. And I talked to Dad. I said, man, I'm enjoying what I'm doing, but I am exhausted. And he chuckled, and he said, I guess you are. He said, it's your busiest time. I said, it is? He had to explain it to me. Once he explained it to me, it made a lot more sense. So this year, I went into it a little more prepared. And, and guess what? Our church body is actually doing a little bit more this year than we did last year. Why? Because our church body can handle more. One, because me as pastor understands a little better and can handle more. God's not shocked by my growth process. He's not shocked from where I'm at. As long as I am giving him my all, and as long as I am asking him to grow me the way he wants to grow me, then he's happy with my progress. What I have to do is not look to man for my validation, but look to him for my validation. You want to be a good steward, get that part right in your mind. It's not about what kind of car you drive. It's not about what kind of house you have. That video we saw at the beginning of the service was so great because it talked about all that Jesus did, and yet he didn't have all those things. He didn't have a house and cars and a bank account and none of that stuff. And God used him mightily, mightily. Talents are given to us in different measures. Don't covet somebody else's talents. That's one of those commandments, isn't it? Don't covet. And they talk about that neighbor's wife, but that don't covet part is all through Scripture. Don't covet. Don't focus on the amount. You know, when I took over as pastor, one of the things I had to start doing was get more involved with the finances of the church. Now, there are, there are mega churches. Uh, matter of fact, we were down there at Rock Springs a year or two ago, and Pastor Benny Tate shared with everybody that their budget is somewhere around $16 million. 
And some people are like, yes, Jesus, I love it. And me as a pastor was like, oh, Lord, I don't know if I can handle that. I mean, it sounds good, but with $16 million budget comes a lot of different decisions and things to do, right? So for me, I wasn't quite there. And I'll be honest with you, I've, I've made progress. I'm getting to the point, I'm like, Lord, whatever you want us to do. I mean, but God's had to work on me to understand that. But coming from my personal finances to even this church's finance was a huge step. There's a lot more money and decisions and bigger purchases that are made with the church. And I got to be honest with you, it was tough for me at first. And I went through different swings there. It was real tough for me to want to spend it all. And then I got real happy and said, let's do it. And I started wanting to spend everything. And thank God we have a great board of elders that help keep us in check, right? They seek the Lord because I'd have spent it all by now. And had a good time doing it. But I feel like the pendulum's swinging back towards the center where I'm, I'm starting to understand. And let me tell you one of the things that has started to make more sense to me. That's not my money. That's not even Southside Christian Fellowship's money. That's God's money. These aren't Southside Christian Fellowship's chairs. They're God's chairs. You're not just Southside Christian Fellowship's people. You're God's people. It's not my stuff. It's God's stuff. I'm called to be a steward. We are called to be stewards for God's stuff. So focused on investing the talents. Identify your talents, then invest those talents, grow those talents. Let me say it a different way. Allow God to grow those talents. You be willing to let God grow you in those talents. Let's read the second part of that parable. Same chapter. Let's be in verse 19 now. After a long time, the Lord of those servants, we have a Lord, don't we? We're servants of our Lord. The Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Now, there's a day coming where the Lord is going to settle accounts with us. One area is in salvation, but it's also where we good stewards over what he entrusted us with. Verse 20 says, So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. I highlighted verse 21 and verse 23. And if you'll notice, the author who was inspired by God took it upon himself to point out that there was one with five talents to start with and one with two, they both doubled their uh, talents and got the exact same thing said to them, the exact same thing. Why? Because it's supposed to tell you and me that we shouldn't focus on the numbers. We're supposed to focus on growing and expanding what God has trusted us with. And when we do that, God is going to say the exact same things to us. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Think about raising kids. If you're not raising kids right now, think about you being a kid and growing up. Your parents didn't give you the same responsibilities back then as they did now. In fact, as they trained you growing up, you probably see pieces of what you're doing now back in your training when you were much younger. You couldn't handle the responsibilities back then that you handle today. 
You had to grow physically. You had to grow mentally. You had to grow in understanding. It's the same thing with us in the kingdom of God. And it doesn't matter. What, what, what did your mama say? My mama say, you come home and say, well, well, Billy's mama doesn't do this. And my mama would say, I'm not Billy's mama. <laughs> well, well, John's daddy lets him do this. Well, I'm not John's daddy. Right? It doesn't matter. We serve the same Lord, the same God. And if he blessed you with something and blessed me with something different, he's got a reason for it. What we got to do is quit getting focused on the stuff and get focused on whose stuff it is. He said the exact same things. And then the author of Matthew said in verse 24, Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. You know, there's so much in that set of scriptures. First of all, when he says, for to everyone who has, more will be given, but yet all the other scriptures we read talk about the first will be last, the last will be first. The love of money, right, is the root of all evil. The scriptures tell us to be humble and not seek to get more, to get more, to get more. But when you read those scriptures, you understand that you didn't get more because you were seeking more. You got more because the Lord gave you more, because he could trust you with more. Your heart was in the right place. Your heart is in the right place. And God can see that you understand whose talents they really are and that you understand that he's expecting a return on those talents. And he knows you can bring him a return on those talents. The other thing that's important in these scriptures right here is that it proves it's not our property. I highlighted part of verse 27. I should have highlighted the whole thing because it starts out, so you ought to have deposited my money. See, when the Lord gave those talents, they didn't become that person's talents. They were still the Lord's talents. And he said, you should have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. Tony Evans tells this story about house sitting. And during college, he and his wife would house sit at some of the professor's houses and, and take care of their property, and they'd earn extra money in order to pay for college and different things. And he said, to him, that house sitting job was exactly what he sees stewardship as. Because while he's there at the house, they had free run of the place. They were there to manage the property, but they got to enjoy the property. They got to sleep in the beds that were there. They got to eat the food that were there. They got to take showers and the nice showers that were there. In some places, they even let them drive the cars that were there. They got to use everything that was there. But when they left that place, they couldn't take anything with them because it wasn't theirs. And if they had taken it, then the owners would have come after them. 
See, what's happened is we've started to take ownership of things that, is, that are God's, and he's not just going to sit by and allow that to happen because, you see, it's not ours. It's not ours. We are in a managerial role, not an ownership position. We're managers. And as soon as we can get our mindset on that role, we will become the stewards God knows we can be. And then God can use us even more. And you know what happens when you get trusted with more? You get to enjoy that more. Like I said, when they went to some of these houses that were nice and fancy, they got to enjoy what were in those homes. I know I've gotten to stay in some places. Sometimes I paid for that place out on the beach to, to, to be able to enjoy myself for a week, but I got to use that condo or that apartment or that hotel room. And some of those places have been really nice. And, and then I've been on trips where people uh, gifted a, a, a place, been with dad one time down to Florida, and the individual had a two-story, I don't know what it's called, like a, um, kind of like a condo. But when I say it was on the water, I mean, listen, you went on the balcony of the upstairs bedroom and the water's right there. You go out down bottom and they've got the crossroad ties as one of their porches as a, a, a barrier and the water comes right up to it. You talk about beautiful? It was amazing. And I got to enjoy that, but it wasn't mine. But I got to enjoy it. But they allowed us to stay there knowing we would take care of the property. We wouldn't destroy the property. Because you know what would happen if we destroyed that owner's stuff? We would never get invited back. See, we've been destroying God's stuff. You know one of the other cool parts about getting in this idea of a managerial role? It's no longer your problem. You know, when you own stuff, you got to make decisions left and right. I'll give you a quick testimony. Tammy and I have been faithful uh, to pay for our mortgage, and the Lord made a way for us to take it from a 30-year loan down to a 15-year loan a long time ago, and we paid off that first mortgage, praise God. Unbelievable. Loved it. But what I forgot was my payments included my property taxes. And once I paid that first mortgage off, the bank didn't help me pay those property taxes anymore. I had to be responsible enough to set it aside because that bill was coming to due every year. It came due again this year, and I had to pay that property tax. But, you know, if I don't own it, if you're renting a place, most of it's included in the rent, right? It's the owner's responsibility. Tithes and offerings, I told you, in September were just low. I mean, low. And I was panicking a little bit. And I talked to Dad. I may have told you this already, but it bears repeating. And like any good father does, when I'm a little bit stressed and I tell him what's bothering me, he started laughing at me. I mean, that's just, just nice of him. I said, what are you laughing at me for? I said, Dad, what are we going to do? He said, we're going to pray. I said, I don't need a Sunday school answer. I need to know what we're going to do. Said, no, no, no. Sunday school answer is the answer, son. We're going to pray. And then he told me a story. And the first year he got into pastoring, the outgoing pastor, uh, the outgoing, uh, they wanted to bless the outgoing pastor and build him a shed in his backyard. And the elders 
out of respect and just love for this pastor, ended up building something more than they should have built. And it wiped the bank account out. There was no money in the account. So dad experienced a little bit of that panic. And who do you think he called? He called my grandfather, his daddy. He said, daddy, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And granddad chuckled, laughed at him. So we're going to pray. You better pray. So daddy prayed. God provided, never looked back. So he said, son, it's amazing because it's come full circle. He said, I was right where you were at. I was in a little bit of a panic. Went to my father, my earthly father. He got me on the right track. And now we've come around and now you're panicking a little bit. And I'm going to tell you the same thing my daddy told me. Don't panic. Trust the Lord and pray. And so that's what we did. And I prayed. And October was the best month we've had this entire year. And then as I'm praying, I'm going, Lord, what's going on with that? And he says, I got to train you so that when your physical eyes see those tithes and offerings lower than you want them to be, you don't panic. But you trust because I have the plan. The other thing daddy told me is he said, son, you taking this on like it's your problem. He said, you don't have a problem. God's got a problem. So when you pray, tell God, what do you want him to, what do you want you to do? Lord, tithes were weak this month. What do you want me to do? He takes care of us. He takes care of his managers. He takes care of his stewards. All he's asking us to do is to get on board with him and trust him. But again, we got to know what a steward is. I hope you're starting to get the picture a little bit this morning. Because God owns it all. God owns it all. It's his house. Let me prove it out to you real quick. Three scriptures. Psalm 24.1. The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. As far as I can read, that's everything. The earth and the people, the world. Psalm 89, 11, the heavens are yours. The earth also is yours, the world and all its fullness. You have founded them. Revelation 4, 11, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all, say all. You created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. God created it all. He created you, he created me, and everything you see. I believe there are things we haven't even seen that exist that God created. And we may never see everything God created. God knows they're there. God knows the purpose. But get in that mindset that as a steward, none of this is mine. That house I live in, not mine. Yes, man has put my name on the deed. But it's not mine. It's God's. That car I'm driving, it's not mine. It's the Lord's. The children who I'm still raising, the youngest is 19, so I'm hoping they're getting close. They're almost there. But they're, they're God's. God has simply entrusted me with them. He's entrusted me with them. So then what are we here for? We have that question all the time. What's my purpose? Why am I here? And there's a lot of good answers to that. And yes, spreading the gospel is a big reason why we are here. But one of the main reasons we're here is to manage God's property, to manage God's creation. You see, we are the new management. When God created us, he should have hung a sign that said, under new management. 
We are the new management. And there's a reason why he created us the way he created us. You see before us, the angels. And one particular angel, Lucifer, a.k.a. Satan. They helped manage what was God's at the time before he created even more. See, that's the other thing. We keep thinking God's done creating, right? God creates in us everything. But there was a group that tried to take over. They tried to take ownership of something that wasn't there. And as I told you before, God doesn't stand for anybody taking what is his. We read in Isaiah 14, verses 12 through 15, how you were fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, how you were cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations, for you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high, yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. Revelation 12, 4, the first part of that verse says, his tail, Satan is referred to as a dragon in this particular set of scriptures. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and drew them to the earth. And that's a reference to the third of the angels that followed Satan and tried to usurp God's authority. Luke 10, 18 says, and he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. You see, when we try to take over and become owners of something that's not ours, we have a term for that too, don't we? It's called stealing. We become thieves. And God is not going to stand for us taking anything that belongs to him, including people. And Satan leads people astray, but he's not going to stand for that either. So when you pray those prayers of taking back what the enemy has stolen, believe what you're praying. Because that, that person is not the enemy's. And he is trying to take ownership of them, and God will not stand for that either. But you pray that, and you stand on those promises. you got loved ones that are not walking with the Lord, and the enemy is whispering in their ear. You come against that. And you claim God's authority in that situation and speak the word of God because that loved one is not the enemies to own. And you watch and see if God doesn't deliver them and bring them back home. He will do it. He will do it. We were, we were created to manage God's assets. Give me just a few more minutes here, and I'll bring this to a close. Look at Psalm chapter 8, verses 3 through 8. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels." Think about that statement right there. He made us lower than the angels? You know that's not what we hear in America, right? I'm not talking about the church. I'm talking about the philosophy. You can be anything you want to be. You can do anything you want to do. You are better than everybody else. Isn't that kind of the philosophy we, we see people live by and try to achieve? And what does it end with? Disaster every time. Disaster every time. Why? Because we don't understand. We don't have the right mindset of who we are as a created being. And we also think that being made a little lower than angels is something bad. Like we're lesser. That's not what God says. Picking back up here, let me start back with verse 5. For you have made him a little lower than angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. 
You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. Let me say that again. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the sea. We were created to manage God's assets. I like how Tony Evans says it. God's goal in creating man was to demonstrate what he could do in and through an inferior being, us, that was dependent upon him rather than a superior being that was in rebellion against him. See, we start seeing if, if it's monetarily less, if we don't have the same skills and attributes. Look, I, I like throwing the ball out in the yard with my son. But the chances of me being as good as Shohei Otani or any of the pitchers you like is zero. Listen, there's a guy on the Braves team that everybody knows me, knows I can't stand. I will not name him by name because that's disrespectful. But every time he gets in, he gives up runs. And yet that dude is way better than me. Way better than me. I know we're close to him in that skill. What I have to be careful of is to think that there's something wrong with me because I don't have that same skill level. It's the same thing in the kingdom of God. See, we keep thinking that we're supposed to be the boss. If everybody's the boss, who's following? Who are you in charge of? If every single one of us is the boss, God made some of us to be followers, to be supporters, to be encouragers. I never went for the uh, dream of being a, pa a pastor. I did that one. I did not go for being a principal. One, because I really saw a lot of things I had to do were just, they had to deal with way more than negative. And I just didn't want to be in that. But what I found my... Uh, sweet spot in was supporting that principle and going and encouraging them. And I began to find out, man, not a lot of people were doing that. And so then I got to be part of pepping them up and encouraging them and being a part of the solution and not the problem. And then that encouraged them, which encouraged the entire staff. And we became a better unit. <clears throat> God doesn't intend for every one of us to be the supervisor or the boss or the owner. And that's Okay. What talents has God given you? My grandfather was an, a, a phenomenal encourager. If you ever spent any time around him, you had a hard time being depressed or disappointed or frustrated. And I feel like God's put that in me as well, but I forget that. And I start taking on things, and I start getting down. Or I see the way people are acting, and they're, they're depressed, or they're down, or they're frustrated. And I, and I go, what is wrong with people? Just grow up a little bit. Suck it up. Pull your pants up. Let's go. And God says, have you encouraged them lately? I said, no. He said, I made you to be an encourager. And let's be honest. Encouragement comes easier to some of us than others. And that's okay too. See, as an encourager, I can be guilty of thinking everybody should be like me and be like an encourager. But the reality is, there are other giftings and talents, and we have to understand what ours is and use them for God's glory and not be disappointed because we think somebody else has a better gift. God didn't say that. God didn't say that. So the question is, as I kind of bring everything together from what we've been talking about, what is a kingdom steward then? Hopefully you're saying, I'm, I'm seeing the picture here where I got to start thinking in terms of manager and not owner. So how do I define being a steward, a kingdom steward? That word kingdom is important. A kingdom steward, because that's what we should strive to be. 
I'm going to give you a definition, and you can take it, you can tweak it, you can do what you want with it. But a kingdom steward is simply a believer who faithfully oversees the protection and expansion of the assets. That's the time, the talents, and the treasures excuse me, that God has entrusted to them to manage on God's behalf. Let me say that again. Okay, good, I did do a slide. I couldn't remember if I did. Let me say that again for you. A believer, this is what a kingdom steward is, a believer. That's what's important. You can't be a kingdom steward if you're not a believer because you don't understand where everything comes from to begin with. So do you check that box off? Are you a believer? Two of you can check that box off now from last week, right? Amen? You're a believer. So it's not just about salvation and and freedom from hell. There's another purpose to this. Salvation is just the first step. You're supposed to become a kingdom steward, a believer who faithfully oversees the protection and expansion of the assets. That's the time, the talents, and the treasures that God has entrusted to you to manage on his behalf. That's what a kingdom believer is. That's what a kingdom steward is. To get into this idea of being a steward, a manager, Again, we have to understand that we are not the owner, nor are we the creator. We give out patents, copyright, for original work. Let me let you know a little secret. There is nothing in this world that is original that didn't come from something God already made. They had to use materials, thoughts, ideas, something that God already made. Nothing thought of or made was originated from us. It may be new to you. It may be new to a lot of people. But it is not new to God. You used his materials to make what vision he put in your mind. Look at 1 Corinthians 4, 7 here. It says, for who makes you differ from another? And what do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? Let me tell you what Paul's saying here. Nothing you're doing came from you. You received that from the Lord, so why do you go around town bragging like it was you that thought of it, did it, made it, own it? When we can get our mindset away from it was us rather than God using us. Just that slight change there. See, again, going back to the Lord's Prayer, give us this day, our daily bread. It's that daily dependence upon Him. And when we keep that relationship lined up the right way, when we put Him first and understand that nothing we have, nothing we were given was ours, is ours. It's ours to manage for the Lord. So going back to finances real quick, you've probably heard me start saying, I don't want you to just be a tither. I don't want your goal to be a tither. I want you to be a giver, somebody that looks to give offering because you see, you can't get to the offering level until you've gotten to the tithe level but I don't have, and you never will until you show God 
that you trust him with his own stuff. See, we keep thinking that paycheck is ours, and really it's God saying, I'm giving you ten talents. I'm giving you five talents. I'm giving you two talents. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? And when we begin to invest God's money the way he wants us to invest it, that's when he trusts us with more and more and more because he knows you're not going to steal from him. You're not going to destroy what he's given you. He can trust you. You see, we shouldn't have the mentality that 10% is God's because that develops the mentality that 90% is ours. If we will move to the idea that 100% of everything we are given, everything we earn, everything we have is God's, then he can begin to show us how to properly maintain it, take care of it, use it. And guess what? It's to bless others But in the meantime, you get to be blessed by it as well. That's what's so cool about this concept. So cool about this. We eat, drink, clothe ourselves, build houses and other structures, but they all come from materials and elements that God made. So how can we say it's ours? I love all the different translations and everybody's copywriting and selling it for all this money. And I'm going, none of that is yours. But I tweaked this word. I changed this around. Well, bully for you. It was God's word. Are you saying you can't make money? I'm saying do it God's way. I'm saying let the Lord provide. Amen. Let me finish up with this. You can stand to your feet. And I'll shush. Maybe. We'll see. This is my third year preaching, so I'm, you know, I'm getting better at these six or seven closings. <laughs> Let me give you one more quote by Tony Stewart here as I close. What you do with the time, talents, and treasures God has given you is up to you. The choices you make, the decisions on how you spend your days, the focus of your mind, that is all up to you. And because it is up to you, you have a unique ability to directly influence the rate of your own spiritual progress. There were many of us that had stalled because we hadn't been fasting the way God talked about it in the Bible. But those of you that I've spoken to, those of you that took up the challenge from the Lord to fast those previous 10 days and to do water only, which scared a lot of you, I know because you told me, should have experienced such a breakthrough and such a closer relationship with the Lord because we trusted God, because we sought him well if we do our whole life that way mm, our spiritual growth will be exponential but it starts with understanding you are managing god's property you are not tasked with creating something out of nothing if god asks you to do it he will provide the resources for it daddy told the story about me giving away $100, which was more money than I'd given away just on the spot and, than, than I knew before. Now, my tithes and offerings uh, have been above that at times, but, but to just give out $100 in offering, I had not done. And what really helped seal the deal was God telling me, did you even have that money when you started the day out? I said, no, sir. He said, I even provided the seed that I'm asking you to give away. I didn't even ask you to come out of the bank account that you got over there. I said, oh, my gosh, Lord. So when it happened again... Did you catch that? When it happened again, now this time it was $50. Somebody had given me $50. 
and I'm thinking it's going to be used for a trip I'm about to take. And the day before Tammy and I are about to leave, we go to this service, and they take up an offering, and God immediately said, that's where I want you to give it. And I said, Lord, I thought this was for Tammy and I to go on vacation with. He said, well, you got a choice to make. No, 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 we're not going to do that again. I'm not even going to question. And I walked up there and gave it, right? And just, just because God is so good to us, I did question later on. I say, Lord, I, I do trust you, but you talked about giving back and blessing us beyond measure if we would just trust you and give. I said, Lord, you know, I received back $35, but Lord, that didn't even meet the $50 that I gave away. I'm just curious. I'm, you know, just curious, Lord. I'm, you know, I'm not questioning you. I just, just wondered. But then he reminded me about some gifts we had gotten, some meals we had gotten free, things that we received that had monetary value that we didn't even have to pay for. And it was way more than $50, way more than $50. I said, okay, Lord, okay. And what I'm hoping is that the Lord can now trust me with $50 and $100, and when they give me an opportunity to give away $500, and then $1,000, and then $10,000, whatever he wants to do. He wants the same in each of us. He wants to do the same thing with each of us. I'll leave you with this thought here. Your role is simply to develop, maintain, guard, and expand the time talents, and treasures God has given you. Amen. How about bow your heads and close your eyes? You know who you are. You know whether or not you've been acknowledging the Lord in your life, whether you have been acknowledging that everything you have is his. And you know we're not afraid here to call for people to come down for the altar. <laughs> but I feel like the Lord wants to do it this way right here. It needs to be a personal prayer. It just needs to simply be your willingness to be used by the Lord however he wants to use you. So I just want to encourage you today that if you're not acknowledging God, if you're not being the manager, but rather trying to be the owner, that you relinquish that from your life. That you simply tell the Lord, I'm sorry for trying to take ownership of what is rightfully yours, Lord. That's all you got to do. And then begin to think about each and every situation as the manager and ask the Lord what he would have you do in that situation. Father, I thank you for the message. I thank you for the word. I thank you for the worship this morning, Lord God. Father, I ask that the words spoken here today, that the breakthroughs that were made, that the freedom that was given would not be easily removed, would not be forgotten, would not be undone, Lord. That, Father, as we leave this place today that his dad prayed, it's not just about this building, but, Lord God, it's about our community. And that we would take your word and we would be your light to our community, Father God. That we would manage what you've given us to manage and stop trying to take ownership of what's not ours, Father. Lord, that we might reach your people, that we might reach our community for you, Lord God. Father, open the doors, provide the way, Father. Lord, I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you are loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. We invite you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would like to also have Papa Herman to speak a Father's blessing over you. May the Lord bless and keep you, that he would cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. 
that the Lord would lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.